talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hey everyone, it's Alan here. Welcome back to part two of issue 37 of All-Star Superfan Podcast, in which we will be discussing our first impressions of the new Flash movie. Um, so as Rob explained in episode one, I was unable to attend the premiere in Dublin on Tuesday night, and I was disappointed that I couldn't do that, but unfortunately duty called. But we managed to, myself and my wife managed to go and see it today, less than 48 hours later. So we were listening to Rob and Saoirse chat about their experience with the film on Tuesday night on our way home today. And we decided that we might get in on the act ourselves and uh, give our opinions. And it might be a nice way to introduce everybody to my long-suffering wife, Stacey Jean Burke, who I've mentioned numerous times on the podcast. So say hi, Stacey. Hi. Welcome to All-Star Superfan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're almost like the third host. You, yourself and Saoirse are almost like the uh, the support behind us. You know, you're the you're the people who keep us going and keep us, you know, uh, enthusiastic about it and support us all the time. And um, so it, it's only it, it's 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 only fitting that you're you're both on the show now. You should have been on long ago. Thank you. So sorry for taking so long. That's okay. Um. So. Just explain to everybody your background with superheroes. Um, do you read comic books? Do you enjoy watching superhero films yourself? Or do you just do it because I force you to do it? <laughs> when you need a plus one, that's when I'm yeah. introduced to superheroes, whether it's Comic-Con, whether it's movies, listening to podcasts, reading some books. I'm pretty good at picking out your comic books. Very true. Very true. You've picked out a lot of stuff, a lot, you know, over the years that I never would have read that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Um, but yeah, like you've you've come to the Comic Cons with me and a lot of and I spoke about this on the podcast previously. For a long time, I always tried to kind of hide the fact that I was this big geek and I was into all this kind of stuff. And it really was you who convinced me to start going to comic book conventions um, and start kind of, you know, wearing it on my sleeve and enjoying it and just kind of being happy in my own skin about it. So, like, I owe a lot of that to you. And you've always supported me with it, uh, you know, go and see the films, anything, you know, cosplays, Halloween costumes, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so it's 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 great. Flash-wise, much experience? The TV series. So we met... John Ship, John, John Wesley Ship, yeah. Yeah, so we met him at one of the Comic-Cons in Dublin. We did, yeah. Um, and so before we met him, I had to... He told him he had nice boots. He did have great boots. And I told him that my wife said he had nice boots because I'm always nervous and I don't know what to say to these people. And like the more famous they are, I'm fine. But it's like these real niche actors that I'm like, oh my God, it's The Flash from 1990 and I can't talk. Jonathan Frakes was another one. Do you remember how nervous I was with Jonathan we were Frakes? so nervous. I literally could not talk to Jonathan Frakes. I couldn't come up with anything to say to him. I was so nervous. I'd say he shook my hand. It was probably sweating profusely. And I had this kind of awkward photograph of, of uh, myself and Jonathan standing there. But I still love I, I love to have it. But like even Patrick Stewart, you convinced me we flew to London to see Patrick Stewart live in the West End. Yes. Because I was like, he's never coming to a Dublin Comic Con. And that was all you. And it was great. We had a great time. So and we got to meet them afterwards. So. Well, when I say we got to meet, what Stacey says, we got to meet them. We did not get to meet them. Stacey convinced us to go to the back of the theatre. Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen were in the play. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the play. Was it? The Gentleman? No, uh, I'm trying to, 
it wasn't no man's land i'll, I'll remember it. I'll, I'll stick it in the notes um but they're, they're in this play together and uh, you really enjoyed the play and you convinced me to go to the exit door to wait for them and i think the rule was that patrick would sign things to do with the production he wasn't signing star trek stuff and the crowd was huge by the time i got back there and i'm really kind of get anxious in these situations and i was like no no i'm not going to queue i'm not going to get up there and you took the playbook that we got and you went up and you got um patrick's autograph and ian mccann's autograph and i yes. got to chat to them for uh, a little you while got to flirt as well. with patrick stewart yeah, yeah. that's great yeah um so that's fine if you were to cheat on me with anyone patrick stewart is fine I'd, you know you can be on your list if you want um so yeah so we went to see the flash today we did were you did you have any interest in going to see it before now yeah i always enjoy going to see these movies so um i didn't see a trailer or had read no spoilers or mm-hmm. knew nothing only for the tv series that i know of yeah the flash Barry TV Allen. Series. and the cw show and the, yeah which i really enjoyed i enjoyed the first season yeah the first the season was season really strong bit. yeah so we're, like we were nerds at the time well i was a nerd at the time about it i got the flash we hoodie no i we, i got the flash hoodie and we watched all season one and season one was really strong. Yeah. But we lost interest pretty quick into yeah. season two, into season two and three. Even I don't even know if we made it to season three. I think I saw no. one, a, a couple a of A few episodes. crossovers. That was about it. Yeah. But you've seen like all the Superman movies, Superman one through four. I have. Uh, Superman Returns, The Man of Steel. You've watched a lot of Lois and Clark with me. Um, so like I'd say you Supergirl. think. Supergirl. I watched yeah. Supergirl before I met you. Yeah. Even. So yeah, I have seen. Yeah. Well, not Supergirl, the TV show before you met me, because that started in 2015. But you've watched Smallville, I'd say. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. But I'd say I'd, I'd say your knowledge of it is stronger than you probably even know yourself. I'd say you real you know more than you think you do. I I don't try and absorb things, but yes, when it's there in yeah. front of you, yeah. And obviously, I do the same thing when it comes to sport. I try and soak it all up and learn everything about it. And I support you in all your sporting endeavors and your uh, fandom for, you know, team go sports. Isn't that right? That's it. Yes. That, yeah. I'm not lying at all. Um, so we went to see the film today and we're going to get straight into a spoiler discussion because um, I just don't trust us that we won't spoil something. And then I really don't have to spend time editing it out. So we're just going to go straight into straight spoilers. Did you like the film? It was okay. That means no. No, it wasn't the worst movie I've ever seen. That's like, they're not going to put that in the poster. Oh, okay. But it definitely wasn't the, the best Flash, movie. Not the worst film you've ever seen. Well, that's pretty okay by me. So yeah. I, I didn't fall asleep in it. I didn't walk out halfway through it. Mm-hmm. So it, well, was explain, way, it was way, way, way too long. Explain to the listeners. Yeah, it was. It was too long in 144 minutes for what it was. Explain to the listeners what kind of films you do like. What kind of, I like horror movies. You like horror movies. I like horror movies. And Stacey introduced me to horror films and I love horror films now as well. Mostly vintage horror films like stuff from the 80s. The first film we saw together was Nightmare on Elm Street yeah. on our very first date. Uh, the 1984 version, not that 2010 uh, monstrosity. But like you, but to be fair, you have you have good taste in films. Yeah, yeah. I do. I yeah. have great taste in movies. Great taste in movies. So yeah, I like horror movies. I like horror movies. I like yeah. good movies. Yeah. Um, This is not a good movie. It's not a good movie. It's not a very strong movie. It's not a very funny movie. Um, I enjoyed large sections of it myself, but it is deeply flawed and laughably flawed in a lot of places. So I think what we'll do to start is just talk about what we did like. Okay. What did you like about The Flash? I liked the music. Yeah. So for 
different cameos and that I like the cameos and I like the music that was put in for different scenes. I enjoyed one of the last scenes with Barry Allen and his mum. Yeah, so this is basically, as I said, folks, it is a spoiler warning. Um, this is, is where Barry realizes his mistake and goes back and undoes what he did and has this touching moment where he says goodbye to his mother without her realizing who he is. Yeah, I think there. for me, I found two scenes emotional, just about emotional emotional scenes there. That was one of them. And mm-hmm. I think when um, all the past superheroes kind of came up, the montage that was yeah, there. We have to talk about this. OK, so, right. I said we talk about what we like. So this is why I'm going to skirt around this a little bit. I like the idea of what they did. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I liked I was I I gasp as not a true super fan mm-hmm. of all these people. And I gasp when I seen everyone because I was able to name all these people. Mm-hmm. I knew the costumes and the suits. That part I was like, oh, wow, that's good. I didn't know that that was going to be in this film. Yes. So I enjoyed that part. They were two of the parts two of the scenes that I enjoyed in this movie. OK, Um. I enjoyed everything, pretty much everything with Michael Keaton in it. Uh, I thought once the two Barrys in the film arrive at Wayne Manor, and I love the fact that they used Wayne Manor from the 1989 Burton film. Once they arrived there, I had really struggled up to that point with the film. Really struggled with it. Uh, And once they got to that point, I was like, oh God, they're going to absolutely destroy Michael Keaton's Batman. And they didn't, I don't think. I thoroughly enjoyed a large portion of that film from that moment on right up until the end. Everything with Michael Keating is top class. Now, as Rob said, it is a bit safe. They do play the hits, but like I'm there for the hits. That's what we want to see from Michael Keating. Yeah, uh, it's I'm there for the hits. I'm 38 years of age. I never thought I was going to see Michael Keaton again. Would I like to have seen him maybe, you know, not being a recluse? We've seen recluse Bruce Wayne a lot. Would I have liked to see him maybe running Wayne Enterprises, you know, in a relationship with Selena Kyle or Vicky Vale or something like that? Or at least, you know, a, a, a hint to him having a family or something like that. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. I would have liked to have seen what it's like for Bruce Wayne in a world where, as he mentions himself, he did such a good job, you know, whether it's as Batman fighting crime or as Bruce Wayne maybe funding projects and, you know, supporting the disenfranchised with his money. Um, but that Gotham City is is the, one of the safest cities in the world. And I would like to have seen how that affected Bruce. Is he bored? Is he playing golf in his 60s? What's, you know, that kind of thing. Instead of just being in his pajamas in the house, I think is a bit of a safe bet. But then... You know, yeah. he never got over his trauma. So maybe that's what he, what he would be doing. I liked this Bruce Wayne. I thought that it was very realistic. He did his job so well as Batman when he was younger that Gotham City was now the safest place and there was no need for a Batman anymore. He still had everything there in case anybody ever called on Batman again. But he had to sacrifice something. And because he did his job so well, he didn't have time to find a family or have mm-hmm. a personal life there, even with other friends or anyone else. And hence he became the recluse. And I thought Michael Keating played it extremely well and very believable. Yeah, I don't like likable. I don't like when you go to a concert and it's like Bruce Springsteen and he has all these great songs or whatever other cheesy 80s band we like. And they have all those for like Foreigner or Def Leppard or wherever we go to. And you want to hear the hits and then they play their new album and they don't play any of the old songs and you don't, it doesn't, you know, you want to hear, you know, photograph and you want to hear, you know, uh, 
I can't think of a single song in my head now at the moment, but you want to hear the hits, you know. Yeah. Um, and I enjoyed it. He looked great, I thought. Yeah, he did. He looked great. And you got to hear the hits, but you got to see that version. I enjoyed that version. Yeah. The, of him as an older man, you got to see him, that he had aged. Yeah. And that he was yeah. enjoying there's drinking scene, wine and eating pasta. There's a scene in it where, you know, he gets injured. Um, he's still, look, he looks incredible. You don't believe for a second that, like, he's 71 going on. 50 and mm. um, he's in great nick and i would absolutely love to see a batman beyond film starring starring michael keaton then again there was numerous times in the film that i wish i had i was watching him in a batman beyond film and not in a flash film um but we'll get in we'll get into that uh sasha Kelly, i think is the girl's name um supergirl it's a superman podcast we'll talk about supergirl what do you think supergirl I thought she was great. Did you see that coming that it wasn't going to be Superman in the safe? In no. the in the you didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. I wasn't putting too much thought of going mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be Superman or I thought maybe it was going to be an evil Superman or something. Yeah. An evil version that was going to be there. Um I thought it was great. I thought she was brilliant. I loved the suit, loved the whole concept yeah. that when she came out first she didn't know whether to trust anybody. Um I thought she played it very well, very believable, loved her in it. Yeah. And a Supergirl that is, I would argue, a lot closer to the comics than what uh, Melissa uh, Benoist's Supergirl was in the TV show. And even what Helen Slater's, um, and we'll speak of Helen Slater again later, what Helen Slater's Supergirl was in the 1984 film in that. What a lot of people forget is that the big difference between Kara and Kal-El is that Kara grew up on Krypton. I think she leaves when she's about 14 or 15. So she knew her parents. She had family. She had friends. She knew that world. And then she lost that world. Clark never knew Krypton. He never lived there. He didn't have his parents. So she suffers a lot more, arguably, than Clark ever did about the loss of Krypton. And she, this is a an angry Supergirl. When she leaves, she's angry. She has a, a, a negative opinion of humans because in the story when she crash landed she was basically seized by the government or a government agency and she was kept uh, in in captivity for a long period of time mm. um but she was fierce she was strong i thought the suit looked great i thought her attitude was great she and she wasn't like this spoiled you know poor me character like she quickly turns around and helps the the barry and bruce the two barrys and bruce out and I just, I really liked her. I'd 100% watch a film starring her. Just her, yeah, definitely. I definitely bought into her being Supergirl. So I thought she was unreal. The suit was great. She had empathy when she needed empathy. Mm-hmm. She, I believed her when she was angry, when she was upset. I believed that she could kick ass when she was fighting. Yeah. I thought she was brilliant. It's a Supergirl that I'd be happy for my daughter to watch. You know, you know, strong female lead character. Really, really enjoyed her. Thought she was great. Would love to see more of her. Um, I was really enjoyed seeing Michael Shannon back as General Zod. He was strong in Man of Steel and he was exactly the same here. I thought he was great. Yeah, well, I like him. He's a great actor anyways. Mm-hmm. The Zod character wasn't, didn't really care if they bet him or didn't beat him. Wasn't really a fan of that story. What do you mean? Just thought it was boring. He didn't, they didn't spend enough time either showing, I know who Zod is. I've, seen Zod fight in other movies mm-hmm. I just wasn't bothered I didn't care I suppose if he we'd won seen or it, didn't win we had seen it all before in Man of Steel do you think it would have been better if they had used maybe a different villain someone we'd never seen before yeah I think that was a mistake using Zod and 
just putting the clips in and out, not kind of doing a background. I didn't hate them enough that I wanted them to. I suppose them. if you hadn't seen Man of Steel, it would be hard to know. Now, to be fair, Barry Allen kind of gives an exposition to him and explains what happened in Man of Steel. Yeah, that's one part of the movie I liked where they did kind of explain everything for someone. I didn't need it explained because I had a Mm -hmm. bit of knowledge from watching so many movies. But for anyone that never did, and this was the first movie ever watched or you didn't know the characters, I liked the way they explained it because it made sense. They did it in an easy, simple... And you know, to be fair, you know a lot about General Zod because you were one of the very few people who've met Terrence Stamp, the original General Zod. Yes, who was fantastic. He was, he was fantastic. And again, a Comic-Con in London that you convinced me to go to and I'm, I got to meet Sarah and, and, and Terrence. That was great. So that's another that's another uh, gold star for you. <laughs> and loved listening to him, loved listening to him talking, loved meeting him. Yeah, he, and was, a, he, was, he was a gent. Yeah, he was. He was lovely. He was great. Is there anything else you liked in the film? And if there's not, that's fine. You don't have I to. liked all the Batmans. I liked Ben Affleck. I liked Michael Keating. And I liked the last Batman as well, George Clooney. I thought I liked mm-hmm. the way they did the Batman. There was no big muscles. It was like what you think Bruce Wayne was. The way I see Bruce Wayne. I don't see Bruce Wayne as this young, big, muscly, multi-millionaire. And that's it. Which everything kind of... They, they seem to have empathy or they seem to have a story. You could see the pain. Well, they're all aged and they're all older and they'd all learned a lot and they've all lived with their trauma. They're, it's not like the Robert Pattinson Batman or the Christian Bale Batman. You know, these guys had decades of of, of fighting under their belts. They were yeah, tired. They were worn out. That's what I liked. Uh, this movie that, that I liked, the part, everything I liked about this movie was the nostalgia mm-hmm. of all the movies I'm used to growing up with or that I watched with you over the last 13 years. The bits that I liked, yeah. the funny parts, the easy watch, the simple parts. Would you watch another Michael Keaton Batman movie now? I would have watched it before this movie. That's the right answer. I'll put the divorce off for another six months. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, that's. I can't really think of anything else that I really enjoyed off the top of my head. Uh, all the Michael Keaton stuff. Ben Affleck, yeah, he was, he was fine. I don't think Ben Affleck ever reached his full potential in the role. It was nice to see, like you said earlier on, there's a, there is a lot of cameos in the film. Um, George Clooney, I really thought that that last, that Batman, they kind of hide who Bruce Wayne is when everything is put back to normal. And I really thought it was going to be Michael Keaton again. And then it was George Clooney. And George Clooney is fine. You know, obviously, I'm not a fan of the Batman and Robin film from 1997. Um, but I like George Clooney. It was good to see him back. And I'd like to see him get another crack at I don't know if they're, if he's ever going to actually play Batman again. But I'd like to see him get another crack at it because I know he was disappointed about how his film turned out. You have to take this movie as a cheesy, nostalgic, easy watch. And if you take it that way, George Clooney is the perfect Batman mm-hmm. to arrive out of that car and for that Bruce Wayne to be walking up. So I enjoyed that. I thought it was good. I thought Barry Allen's parents were pl- played very well. Yeah, obviously the, fa- well. the father was recast from this in this film. It was, it's not the same actor. It's the actor from Office Space in this film. And um, it was the guy who played, don't ask me the actor's names, but it was the guy who played um, Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen who played his his father in the previous film I don't know why they, they, they recast that role but yeah I'd agree with that and I thought his mother was, was really um, human and you, you it felt like a real relationship she felt like a real character and a real person yeah and I'd watch a movie about them if it was a different Barry Allen cast okay. and they were his parents it was the first time I've watched a movie like this since 
Superman where you wanted to know more about the parents and you were invested in the parents. Yeah. And obviously the story is a lot different to the Flashpoint uh, comic that it is based on in that obviously in the Flashpoint comic, again, spoilers, it's it's reverse Flash that goes back and kills uh, Barry's mother to uh, mess up Barry's life. In this, we never really find out who the killer is. It's just implied that it's a uh, burglar and that it was just bad timing and everything. Um, but let's get into what we don't like about the film. CGI. CGI. Okay, number one. Ezra Miller, I think, is number two. Yes. Was the Flash miscast, do you think? Yes, there was a lot of overacting and I don't like overacting. So Yeah, there was a lot of annoying... Now, I'm not going to say he did. there wasn't scenes in it that I thought he was good in. He was good in that scene with his mother at the end. There were, there, there, there is uh, some scenes that he's okay in. The depiction of the Flash itself, I don't know if this version of the DCEU Flash was written to be annoying or if it's a choice that Ezra Miller made themselves, I don't know. But I don't like it. It's not what he's like in the comic book. And it was grating. And having two Ezra Millers playing two Barry Allens, one even more grating than the one that people found grating already, uh, it was extremely obnoxious. And it for the first half of the film, up until the point, like I said earlier, where Michael Keaton came into it, I it was just like loud noise. I really struggled with it. I like the idea of Barry Allen being that that's the way I see Barry Allen is more in line to Superman where he is a bit dorky he's highly intelligent he and the indication is that he 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 may be on the spectrum it's alluded to that he struggles with people and they never explicitly say that he's autistic or that he's he's on the spectrum or neo neodivergent whatever term you want to use but it's heavily, heavily implied. But I don't like the fact that what they kind of do is it's great that it's great to depict a superhero um, who is on the spectrum or possibly on the spectrum. But it's another thing to make that character really, really annoying. And the inference I take from it is, is that what they're saying is, is that people who are on the spectrum are annoying. And I didn't like that. I didn't come with that view i found the actor annoying i didn't find the character annoying okay i didn't find i liked the way the character was written i would have liked i'd like other people to be able to watch that and see that he had different quirks and different Mm -hmm. things like that and see that on the screen that they can see themselves Mm -hmm. in a superhero like that i liked that version i found the actor extremely annoying mm-hmm. um i thought they overacted a lot for both mm-hmm. characters i thought maybe the first barry allen one the first barry allen might have played it a bit better than the younger version mm-hmm. of the barry allen the, the younger if if you found barry allen in the previous films annoying then barry allen 2 cranks that up to 11 definitely yeah but no i thought the character i enjoyed the character i like the character being like that again i'd find it believable that the flash is like that he doesn't need to be and very character. and his mind is going like he's so fast i like the idea maybe that his mind is just constantly racing and he struggles then to maybe process all those thoughts uh, the way that they should be processed because i got the impression that in the section where he loses in the section where he loses his powers that that's almost toned down a little bit that he when he turned around and he says I'm slow because he tried to run really fast mm-hmm. and he wasn't able to and that's from that line that's what I got that everything had slowed down his motions his movement yeah his thoughts, that's interesting yeah 
and that's the I thought that was a good aspect and I enjoyed seeing things like that. Those parts I mm-hmm. picked up on and it felt it made him more human as well. I like superheroes that you can see the human side of them. I think that's why Superman is so endearing to so many people is because Clark Kent and Superman are very human. Endearing. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get into Ezra Miller or his background. Uh, Rob and Saoirse spoke about that and I just don't really want to give it any time. Um CGI. Awful. Awful. Now, awful to an extent that if you were to show someone a clip of it, I think they would think that you were pulling their leg about how bad it is. Like, awful to an extreme. Like, you're almost talking mask, son of the mask level CGI here. I mean, there's a scene, one of the early opening scenes where... Barry, with the help of Alfred and Batman, is uh, uh, dealing with the crisis in Gotham City and uh, the the ground is opening up and a wing of a hospital that is a maternity ward is um, sinking into the ground and all these infants fall out the window basically and Barry has to catch them all. And I was sitting there watching it and I was like, what is going on here? What am I watching? It looked terrible. They looked uncanny valley, cartoony. It wasn't funny. No. It wasn't smart. If you no, go back... it wasn't and, believable. Yeah, there's X-Men films that have done this better than the Flash movie. And the Flash movie should be the absolute standard of moving at high speed and doing things at high speed and bullet time and all that stuff. And it was... It was, it literally was laughable how bad it was. So bad. Why would you put a baby into a microwave? And then why do you line them well, all because up? Because if, if he moves the child normally, the child will get sick. So he has to put the child in a microwave... Like, I tell you one thing, I wouldn't be too happy if I had like a five or six year old and a baby and I brought my six or seven year old to a film where they were putting babies in microwaves. And then it dinged at the end as well. Like you forgot about it and then went to take it out and and they're all lying on this trolley. Yeah, it it was terrible. There was there was nothing good about it from start to finish. It was awful. And the CGI did not improve The, the the the. The scenes with Supergirl, I had no issues with. I thought she looked great when she was flying, when she was landing. Um, The stuff with Batman, I thought all looked great. I had no issues with any of the CGI when it came to Batman. I know you're kind of uh, giving me a look there, but I I didn't. I thought everything looked fine. The CGI, when it came to anything to do with the Flash running, it's a Flash movie. You have to get the running right. You have to get the saves, the Flash saves right. It's his film. And I just couldn't get over how bad it was. And that leads us into the cameos. I like the idea of the cameos. They did something similar on CW when they had their crossover event and they had different people from different universes from TV and movies appear on the TV show. Mm-hmm. And it was fine. But the difference is they used actual actors. They used the actors that were in Batman 89 and they used the actors that were in Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. This is all CGI people. Yeah. And it looked horrific. There is, and we're just going to get into it, there's a scene where Christopher Reeve shows up with Helen Slater as Supergirl finally after 40 years to get, you know, they're together and it looks like a PlayStation 2 graphic. And I was horrified as a Christopher Reeve fan because of course I'd love to see Christopher Reeve come back as Superman. But Christopher Reeve himself has spoken about how he would be absolutely against this kind of thing in the future. He's on record saying that and to do it using him when there is a perfectly fine Brandon Routh 
actor who's beloved by Superman fans, who has appeared in the CW, uh, who has been in Superman Returns, who everybody, who the majority of fans really appreciate. And he's there. And he has he wore a suit in the CW show two years ago that almost everybody loved. And they could have just put him in it. I liked the concept. I liked the concept that they were all there. But, but the CGI, CGI is so, was so bad. Helen Slater is alive and well. Oh, you, you could literally put her in the film and de-age her and it would look so much better than a, a, a full CGI render of Helen Slater. George Reeves is laughable. Like To see George Reeves obviously on screen is unbelievable. Me and Rob have covered George Reeves in the past. We'll cover him again in the future. It was a cartoon George Reeves. Yeah. It was horrendous. Yeah. Why would you put him in at all? I, I just don't understand it. Nicolas Cage is a fully CGI rendered Nicolas Cage. Nick, as Rob said, Nicolas Cage is alive. You could have a situation where it's his Superman. So I'm not sure if you know, but what happened was he was meant to be in Superman in, in back yes. in 97, 98. And it didn't it didn't work out. Me and Rob are planning to do an episode on it um, shortly. It could have been a case that it's that Superman 25 years later. Mm-hmm. You could have put him in a different suit. You could have had him fighting the giant spider, which is, you know, the big joke about that film, about the giant spider. It's great to see it in live action. And I'm, I'm happy that we finally got to see a version of Nicolas Cage, but it's a cartoon. Nicolas Cage would have done this film. I have no doubt that he would have done it. I know. I I enjoyed the scene for what it is without being a true critic. I enjoyed yeah. the yeah. concept of what they were doing. I loved seeing all those big name seeing Christopher Reeve up there like that I love seeing don't it don't get me wrong Look, when, I I, when I saw him I grabbed your hand I yeah. was like is this going to be Christopher Reeve and it was and then I actually realised what I was looking at and I was like oh my god this is horrific yeah Why? but I, I took it as a part that, that was kind of a nod to these are the comic books we'd put a nod to comic book characters and put Christopher Reeve in put Nicholas Cage going everybody wanted to see him they didn't this is a comic he's there you could you could use him I don't agree with this Nicholas Cage makes 50 shit films every year that go straight to DVD he would have done this he named his son Kal-El he owned an action comics number one I know I love Nicholas Cage I know I know but he would have done it I, I don't understand at the very at the very least why not use when it came to Christopher Reeve or George Reeves why not use actual archive footage of them in the roles deleted scenes scenes from uh, adventures of superman scenes from one of the four superman films that christopher reeve was in find 10 seconds of him looking up at the sky render the background different whatever you want to do but use the actual christopher reeve i you know i don't understand what they were thinking and i think it's insulting i think it's borderline blasphemous blasphemous i i think it's an insult to christopher reeve uh i don't understand if his family signed off on it or if they'd need to sign off on it do warner brothers own his likeness which i'd be very surprised if they do i i don't know i don't know what happened here but i i just thought it was i thought it was horrific the scene was the idea i liked the idea the idea is great I enjoyed the idea. I liked the music, the background music, mm-hmm. everything that was there. It was the right time for a proper build up like that. But again, like everything else in this movie, the CGI then but takes could, the moment away. But like, could you not imagine a, a, a scene where uh, Batman's plane, Michael Keaton's plane is crashing and he can't eject out of it and Supergirl is injured and next thing 
Brandon Routh's Superman comes down comes down and saves him yeah and he's that there would be amazing. and he would do it yeah. and nobody would expect it and I'd say people would be jumping up in the in the seat because that 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 actor who is an absolute gent he wrote the forward for Voices of Krypton recently um, Ed Gross's book which which we speak we've spoken about a lot um, which both I and Rob feature in um, so you can get that uh, on order at Amazon.com and they sell books and all good bookshops at the moment just to plug it again uh, he loves the character and he takes the legacy of him being one of the live action Superman so, so seriously. He would have done it. And I just think that's it's horrendous that they didn't choose him. We could rewrite this whole movie from the start. Yes. Where he asked for that chocolate bar and it's thrown across. Oh, the chocolate bar. And, so, and the flash picks so it up and eats it. The first question Stacey asked me when we get out of the film, all the all the loose ends that are in this film, and the first thing that Stacey asked me was there's a scene at the start where a little uh, Barry is starving, he's going to do a save and he's low in calories, and he asks a girl to throw him her half-eaten uh, protein bar, and it hits him in the head because he gets distracted. And Stacey's first question out the door was, I don't understand. Did he eat that bar or did he not eat the bar? And I was like, what bar? And he, she was like, the bar at the start, the little girl hit him in the head with. And I was like, who cares if he ate the bar? What about all the other problems in the film? But um, yeah, the, yeah. So look, that's, the, I think that's, those are my biggest issues. Ezra Miller, uh, the tone is all over the place, yeah. especially in the first half. The tone is all over the place. It's trying to be funny and it's not funny. It's trying to be quirky and it's not quirky. The CGI constantly constantly even Ben Affleck's cave and we'll talk about Ben Affleck for a second Ben Affleck is in it for what's meant to be his last stint as Batman uh Robin Searsha spoke about this they think he looks weird they think yes. his chin looks weird his cape is definitely CGI it's Ben Affleck yeah Batman during the day and all the action is kick ass he comes out of the bat wing and he's, he's on the on the bat cycle and there's this car chase and it's all good stuff the cape looks heavily CGI. It's the middle of the day. It doesn't work, even though I love the fact that it's blue and grey Batman. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of the Neil Adams Batman from the uh, 70s. That's the one I grew up in. Obviously, um, Adam West's 1966 version was blue and grey as well. I don't think it's Ben Affleck in the suit. I agree. I think it's a body double. Yeah. I think that's why he doesn't look right. I think that Ben Affleck looked tired in his scene. There's a nice scene with him as, as Bruce Wayne. I think he looks tired. He looks run down. He doesn't look great. He doesn't look like he's he's in a very good place. Maybe maybe that was just the depiction of the character, and I've gotten it wrong. But you know, I think I'm pretty good at kind of sussing people out. And I think he looks he doesn't look like he's in a great place at the moment. Saying that, he looked very different in the bat suit, and I'm almost a hundred percent sure that some of his first lines. When he's speaking, he's on the bat bike. His his mouth isn't moving. Yes, and you can hear Ben Affleck, but the mouth isn't moving, and mm-hmm. it's ADR. Yeah, I think that's why Ben Affleck. Now I could be totally wrong. It could be Ben Affleck in the suit. I don't think it is. I agree. We both said the same thing when we came out. We both noticed the same thing. The CGI is so bad that you were like, "Going, is this the reason why?" Yeah. But yeah, I wasn't believing. I'd kind of think, "Going, which Batman is that?" I think I read that there's a story that Gal Gadot wasn't on set either. That could be false. That there was a body double used and they put her head on it digitally. I don't think it looked like her. And the rest of it looked so bad that I don't think they would have that gotten that so right. Um, so maybe she was on set and that's false. But I really don't think it was him in the suit. The suit isn't great. I love the fact that it's grey and blue. I love mm-hmm. grey and blue Batman. And I want to see a grey and blue Batman um, in, in live action on the big screen. George Clooney. 
I like George Clooney. Talk to me about George. I think it was a nice surprise that it was George Clooney that came out. And again, that they're sticking with the aged Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne yep. that came out. I thought he looked smart and he looked slick. And it was Is he the going opposite. to replace Ben Affleck in the future? Or is this just a wink at the camera? I think it's just a wink at the camera. We yeah, don't I want agree. him to replace Ben Affleck either. I think it was it's good as well that he is sharper than Ben Affleck. I think mm-hmm. Ben Affleck was supposed to be... I took it that he was Bruce Wayne was tired, that he was tired. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. And that's that's the character that he was playing. That's what I had bought from it until he put on the suit. I was like, oh god, here we go again. Really bad CGI. Yeah, I like George Clooney. I was like, yay! When I seen him, it was like little smile, and I thought it was a little wink, and it was a little going kind of gone. Right, you think the hot woman is going to complain about George Clooney being in the movie in a suit? Yeah, yeah, of course. I Not selling coffee. Great. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. The takeaway, really loved Supergirl. Uh, loved the actress playing Supergirl. Loved all the Michael Keaton stuff. Uh, liked oh, the idea of I the cameos. Can I ask you one question then? Yes. You loved all the Michael Keaton stuff. Keaton, yeah. Even when he died? No. Now, this is another issue I have. Now, it's not that Michael Keaton dies or does not die at the end of the film. Okay? The issue I have is story-wise. Okay, two two things, Right. That, that I mentioned before number one we spoke about why didn't they use Christopher Reeve and Brandon Routh or sorry why didn't they why didn't they use Brandon Routh uh, instead of Christopher Reeve why didn't they have Nicolas Cage in it I don't understand why in all the time travel scenes they have actors feature in those scenes that are in the film like live action the actor is actually in the film and yet they used fully CG renders of those actors in those scenes and it looked terrible Awful. I don't understand why you need a CG Zod standing still. There's one scene where he's just standing and it's a CG Michael Shannon. Why aren't you not just getting Michael Shannon? The other point I want to make about this is at the end, Batman gets killed. Michael Keaton, Batman and Supergirl both get killed. Uh, the two Barrys go back in time to save them, to change things. They get killed again. Barry 1 realises pretty quickly that it's inevitable that if they keep going the way they're going, they're never going to win. Batman and Supergirl are always going to get killed. This is what I took from it. When he goes back and puts the undoes his original time travel, what happens to that Michael Keaton? Now, I'm not, this is rhetor- rhetorical. Like, what happens to that Michael Keaton? Is that Michael Keaton's universe still ongoing and he's still a recluse in Wayne Manor and his Supergirl is still in the government facility and their world is destroyed by Zod because... Supergirl's never freed by Barry. Like, does that, does Michael Keaton, is Michael Keaton dead, dead? Is he living on happily as Batman in that universe? Does that universe not exist? I have a lot of questions about it. Probably need a second viewing. Uh, No, I would have liked Michael Keaton at the end of the film. I thought the final scene, and this is legitimately, we waited until the very end credits. Mm -hmm. And it took ages, and the end credit is nothing. It's nothing. Right, it doesn't add anything to it. It's, it's a cameo, another cameo by another Justice League member, and it's fine. But Batman, nineteen eighty nine, and Batman Returns both end with the camera rises up through Gotham City, up the buildings, up to the very, very top. And in Batman eighty nine, it ends with Batman standing at the top of the building, looking up at the bat signal. Mm-hmm. And in Batman Returns, Catwoman is dead, mm-hmm. or so you think. And then at the end of the film, they do the same thing and they rise up to the back and you see Catwoman standing on the top of the building to show you that she's still alive. 
I was full sure that at the end of the credits, we were going to rise up through the Gotham and see Michael Keaton's Batman standing looking at a bat signal. Like... But did we not know going into this movie that this was going to be the last time we would no, see? because there was originally talk that he was going to be in more films. That there, that oh, okay. that he was, as far as I'm aware, that he was going to not replace Ben Affleck, but there was definitely talk that he was going to be in a Batgirl film. Okay. And that Batgirl film, the listeners, we I think we spoke about before in the podcast, was, was made. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton is in it. It was completely filmed and completely finished. And it cost $90 million dollars. And the studio wrote it off for tax reasons. And part of the, the legal thing is, is that in order to get the tax back from it, they, they thought the film was trash. They said it was unreleasable. It was terrible. And in order to at least claw back some of the tax, they have to, the, 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 the condition on that is that they can never release it. So it's in a drawer and it can never be released because if they do release it or anybody ever sees it, then they have to forego that money that they were able to get back in the tax. It's a whole big complicated thing. So he was meant to be in other films. Okay. So, and I really want, like, I really hope that this Flash movie hasn't killed any hope of a Batman Beyond film with Michael Keaton because he's perfect for it. He's meant to be a 78-year-old Batman training a new younger Batman who discovers who he is. It would be unbelievable. I'd watch that movie. Everybody would watch that film. Everybody, like, all your money give me like I everybody wants to see that film mm-hmm. so I really hope that this hasn't killed any hope of that and I hope that any criticism because a lot of people seem to love it like I've seen it on Twitter a lot of people are singing this film's praises and are saying that it's great and it's the best comic James Gunn said it was the best comic book film ever or the best film he'd ever seen recently and I think he meant comic book film one of the best films because he said Spider, um, Spider-Man uh, uh, Across the Spider-Verse or, or the prequel or the, the first one of those was his favourite comic book film of all time but he um, he said it's a fantastic comic book film. He's the new head of DC Studios. And if he thinks this is a fanta- is one of the greatest comic book films ever made, it really leaves me worried because he's directing the new Superman film. And I don't want it to be like this. No. It, well, that's the one thing that I would take from when Michael was killed and Supergirl were killed. There was no... I had no emotion for it. I wasn't mm. going... Oh, God, at the beat... Oh, I was be- crying. At the beginning, I was like, oh, God, please don't kill him. Mm-hmm. And then when they did, it was like, ah... Okay, because it was just done badly, where I should have had more emotion. Oh no, so yeah, he was in his arms and you could see the blood, and he was—he was like, you know, I can bring you back. You already have. Oh my God, so, so, that was, was a fantastic line. Yeah, yeah. But then they yeah. go back again. Yeah, no. Uh, if look, it ended there, fair it, enough. It kind of makes everything that happens, in my opinion, after they find Michael Keaton's Batman, uh, null and void. And I don't like that. I don't like when it's just written off, you know. And yeah, look, I really hope that this is the last DCEU-centric film. I'd want to see Ezra Miller back. I would happily uh, sacrifice Gal Gadot and and Jason Momoa in their characters because, you know, everybody kind of lo- loves them. I would happily forgo them to have a, a hard reset and just start again now with the Superman legacy and just we need fresh. It's been 10 years and it's just not working. And you can't even bring in Michael Keaton to fix it at this point. So, yeah. Um, would you give it a mark out of 10? Or 5? We normally do 5, so we'll do 5. Okay, 5. Oh, that's hard. Um, I don't think it's that hard. 1.5. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I would say I would say 2 out of 5. Uh, it's an 1.5 of those is for the Michael Keaton if it wasn't for Michael Keaton or they had just 
cast a different Batman in it and it was meant to be a Batman from a different universe, I'd probably only give it a one, maybe. It's 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 really not good. If there was no Batman in that movie, or yeah, if there was a different Batman, I don't think we would even stay to the end of that movie. Oh, I've never walked out of a film. Now, I know Rob had said in his section that he walked out of uh, Batman v Superman. That was probably the closest I ever came. I hate that film. And Rob is right. I would really be surprised if we ever cover that because we really viscerally dislike it, the two of us. And normally one of us likes something and the other one mightn't like it as much or vice versa or we're both a little iffy on something and we'll get someone in who's positive. But I, I really have no desire to go back and ever watch Batman v Superman again. And I know I'm probably losing a lot of DCU Snyderverse people, um, but I, I hate that film. I, I really am done with the DCU now. I want I want to move on. Back to horrors? Yeah, back to horrors, back to classic horrors. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, but on another note, it was our first time in the cinema in about a year. We had a, you know, it was a date day for the two of us, so mm-hmm. that was nice. That and was. I left the cinema and I bought a PlayStation Five for myself because you know it's about time I treated myself. You know, I don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, You're very good at doing. I this. am. Yeah, I am. And um, uh, what did you buy me? Uh, I bought you dinner. So you can't argue with that. <laughs> you, you, did you not buy an NFL game for yourself, though? For uh, for myself, I said to Stacey, we went into GameStop. Is uh, obviously everybody knows what GameStop is, and it's closing down here in Ireland on Saturday. And I went into GameStop after we left the film, and I was distraught. And they had an amazing sale; they had like a hundred euro off a PlayStation Five, and I think the camera for the PlayStation Five was like ten euro, and the charging station was like ten quid. And I, I was buying it. I realized with when I was standing there because me and Stacy were going out together when Extravision was open, and we went to Extravision on our first date after we had been out, and we decided to. Um, well, I briefly tell that story about how we went out, and sure. I just lied to you because you were long distance, and Stacy was crazy into sports, and uh, I com- listened to the radio. There was a big, there was a big sports match on, and we might edit this out, or we might leave it in. We'll see. There was a big sports match on. In Ireland, the All-Ireland Final was on that day and I knew she was huge into it. I told her I was huge into sport as well. And I was listening to the coverage on the radio on the three-hour drive up to her so that I could just recycle the information and the opinions as if they were my own um, to impress her. And it seemed to work. And then that night, we had a few drinks and we'd been out to dinner after the after the game. And she started talking about how she loved horror films. And she asked me what my favorite horror film was. And I told her it was Nightmare on Elm Street because it is the only one I had ever seen up to that point. And Stacy suggested that we rent it out from Extravision. This is how old we are, folks. That we'd rent it out from Extravision and go home to her house to watch it. And obviously, being 25, I was like, that sounds like a great idea. And we went down to Extravision and we bought the box set. I had to pay 70 or 80 quid because they only sold them in the box set of seven films. I was like, there are seven of these fucking things. And we went back and we watched it. And now we're married and we have a daughter. And I have grown to love those films over the last 13 years. It took a while. Yeah, it did. It took it, it took, took a long while. Daytime viewing. So we have we have a history with like analog physical media. The two of us, we like DVDs. Yes. We we're not fans of of digital downloads. So when we were in GameStop today, I turned to Stacy and I was like, "This will probably be the last time that we're ever in one of these stores." Obviously, because it's closing on Saturday and there's not many left around. But then I also made the comment that it did kind of feel like I was picking the flesh off its dead corpse by you know buying all this you know the half price stock. Kind of like what The Flash did to Christopher Reeve in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and we'll leave it on that note so folks uh all-star superfan on facebook and instagram if you want to get in contact with us uh, we're at all-star superpod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email or a voice note and at all-star superpod on twitter if you want to send us a tweet anything you want to close with do you want to do you want to say the, the the closing no it's okay did you enjoy being on the podcast i did enjoy being on the podcast are you going to listen to this one i listen to all of them you're a liar you know I listen to all of them. <laughs> I give you all every the time. Criticism. Every time we have a two and a half hour episode, Stacey's like, I, I can't do two and a half hours about a comic book. I never read. <laughs> Everybody, stay safe, stay super, and take care. Bye bye.